Hello and welcome back to the Fundraising Radicals podcast. I'm your host, Craig Pollard. Today's fundraising leadership conversation comes from Cambodia and is with Sinket Arun, co-director of fundraising at the Angkor Hospital for Children in Siem Reap. We're going to be talking about corporate partnerships, about growing up in the shadow of the Pol Pot regime and lots, lots more. Welcome, Arun. Thank you so much, Craig, for giving me the opportunity to have like uh, joining the program or podcast thing that you are having right now. I was born and grew up in the family that uh, not really a rich family. And uh, we were from the rural area of Cambodia. And I had uh, to try so hard in studying and because I, like uh, I, I was born right after the Pol Pot regime. So everything was uh, really like a lack of everything that time. And uh, my family was uh, really trying so hard to get uh, like rice, food and everything. And I remember that time I was not able to go to school when, uh, until I was about eight. It seems like uh, too long to take me to, to get into school. Yeah, because of the poverty, uh, I was not really able to get uh, to the school uh, uh, easily um, until my father got a job with uh, Medicine Sans Frontier. I had to try to st- study so hard until I finished high school, but I got a lot of challenge on the way, uh, along the way. Uh, because that time my mother really wanted to focus on my brothers studying uh, more than me. <laughs> yeah, because she thought that uh, being a boy or man should have more education than a girl or woman. But actually, my father said that should not be like that. So even boy or girl has to be the same. So I was really uh, proud of them that they were agreeable and put, continue putting me in school until I finished high school. So when I finished high school, um, I got another challenge again because I couldn't go to university. Uh, due to not having enough money. Plus, uh, my mother that time, she has to move to live with my father far away from home because my father that time moved from uh, Kampung Cham town to another town to work with uh, Medicine Sans Frontier. So then I, because as as like an older sister, so I have to take care of the brother and sister at home. You, you've overcome and you've had to face so many barriers mm-hmm. yeah i mean i mean just growing up in those times in cambodia I, I i can't even imagine how difficult that must have been following the pol pot regime yeah and and all of the devastation that that, that around that and following that and and then sort of just having to fight for your education and, and relying on the advocacy of your father to to get that opportunity and then again those responsibilities to family yeah do you look back and just, I, I don't know, how, how do you view that looking back now, those barriers? Every time that I remember about those, like uh, the life during that time, sometimes I felt I was not lucky that I, I was born in such a situation and also in the poor family. But then when I look into other people like the same age as me, that they got struggling the same as me as well. And some people, they may struggle struggling um, like more than me. So then I started feeling that uh, actually I should be honored, especially should be honored to my parents 
that they have been trying so hard to raise me up until I finished school and until I got the job. <laughs> yeah, and I feel very proud to be part of the, uh, like a recovering of the country from uh, being so difficult after the war. And then uh, studying, learning, even we don't have enough, but we still do whatever that we can in order to fulfill our knowledge and education and also getting the right job in order to improve our society. Yeah. It's really interesting because in, in that sense, the, the education, a big part of the of the year zero was, was against education and against that, that, that sort of progress. So in some ways, education was it was it an act of resistance and, and a sort of a determination to to break with that legacy in Cambodia? Actually, uh, if talking about my generation, education that time was uh, not the same as right now. Uh, we had to learn. It seems like more about foundation. Yeah, more about the what we call uh, like a general. It's not it's not as right now that we learn seems like a similar to the modern country. But that time, like a, whatever the basic uh, knowledge or, or whatever that we should learn as a like a, to to build up our capacity, like a basic capacity would be the best thing to do. Yeah. But comparing to now, we were so different. So the school that we attended, there was no wall. There was like a teacher, but uh, not really having having enough material, and so many uh, students in the class. Everybody had to struggle, and at home, we didn't have light, and we had only like what we call a traditional light that we made from a, something that we we got from wood in order to light our to read the book. And even we have a pencil, and pencil was really like an old thing. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, the, if we use like a, a, what we call, the, the, the small board that we can keep in our bag, and then we, we take it. Like a slate or? Yeah, yeah. And uh, even that kind of stuff we had to make by ourselves. I remember that my father made uh, like a simple, simple thing for me to do because we couldn't easy to buy it from the market and plus we didn't have money and using uh, something to write on it sometimes I use uh, charcoal that time yeah so but it it was really even though but it was really happy that everybody like I look around that time like uh, everybody the same <laughs> yeah 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 it, it's uh, I, I'm just I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the situation, just, just different experiences of, of, of and different journeys into fundraising. I yeah. think it's, it's just really interesting. So, so tell me about, so you, you've, you've, you were a nurse at the Angkor Hospital for Children and now you're co-director of fundraising. How did that transition take place from nursing, being in the hospital, working to becoming a co-director of the fundraising team? This is a really good question. Many people ask me about this question. <laughs> So like becoming a nurse and then now becoming the fundraising career, which is completely separate. Um, actually, uh, when I was a nurse, I got 
takes the most of the time, especially every time that I work at night shift, they decided to recruit um, the secretary of the, the executive secretary. And then I was uh, advised to be applying for that position, which is, um, I don't understand why um, that I was a nurse, why I apply for that position while I don't really having any uh, knowledge or experience in like management or administration or something like that. After that, I talked to my mom and then she said that you should apply even you couldn't get it, but at least you get some experience in applying some sort of like a new thing. And that's kind of thing that really making me uh, trying to find a way to move out from nursing area to be like in other area. After that, I start seeing people who work in the office. They had a um, very good like appearance, dress up. They work in the office with nice uh, and cool <laughs> aircon. Not not working night shifts. Yeah, not working night shifts. And then uh, it looked like they have more, they have more opportunity. And then I decided to apply. So when I applied, there was uh, about six staff member that applying that time, and um, we went through the testing, uh, interviewing. And also, uh, there's one. There was one uh, test that I had to take the hospital director and also management team that time on a tour of the hospital. So the, I did the tour as the best. <laughs> ah, but but did you did you feel like you had a an advantage being a, a nurse in terms of that understanding of the hospital and being able to offer maybe something a little bit different? Yeah, yeah. So that's why that when I I made the tour and then. I could understand more about what I was in nursing to do because I volunteer a lot when I was in nursing, just not only in the in the hospital, but I went out to the countryside to meet with patients, patients family, to work with the um, countryside healthcare worker or something like that. So that's why that uh, I could tell more about what I learned, what I experienced with. And then I got selected to be the executive secretary. So in that position, I have to be uh, handling three main roles, which is one is the secretary to the hospital director. Another one is volunteer coordinator. And uh, the last one is a public relation officer. So that's a, that's three jobs. That's not just one job. <laughs> three jobs at the same time. So I have to learn a lot, which is really difficult for me because uh, I, I came from nursing and I had only nursing background, but I didn't have really administration or management. So that's why that I decided to go back to school. So I went back to school at the evening time, that uh, like in the city as well. So I decided to, actually when I, I went back to school, I wanted to specialize in marketing because I really love meeting with people, talking with people, touring. And also I start seeing that like uh, getting money from supporter, visitor, is something that, wow, why AEC don't do it? So I should do it. <laughs> so I started uh, little by little. And then um, that time the school then uh, could not open the course uh, marketing. So that's why that I decided to take uh, accounting and finance. And then I set up uh, many system of uh, getting donation from visitor that came for the tour of the hospital. 
And were they and were they the first donations that the hospital secured? Yeah, uh, not not really. Actually, the hospital got the donation from Friends Without Border that time, which is the main organization that supported the hospital and opened the hospital from the beginning. But locally? But local, yeah, local. That was the first time that I started to collect uh, the donation from visitor, and also I started to place the donation box at some places in the city. Okay, so so it 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 went from visitors to then. Donation boxes in the city, and yeah. and I read that your aim now is to for fifty percent of your fundraised income to come from within Cambodia. For the is that that's yes that's a phenomenal growth. Yeah, actually, it's been a long way and really taking long time. Comparing the time that I started the local fundraising. Uh, even I didn't really know that it was a fundraising. What 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 how what what did you do? What were you doing? You were taking the the boxes out. What else? What other activities were you doing to to get fundraising started? Yeah. So after doing some sort of those work, um, Friends Without Border organization took me to the U.S. for three months. Yeah. So in the U.S., I've learned about the fundraising events. I've learned about the to manage a visitor center and also the gift shop. So then I was there to traveling and that's how my English starting improving as well. So it is more about like a public relations. It's more about like a relationship building and also getting people to listen about my story, about AAC, and then they made donation. <laughs> but you make it sound really easy, <laughs> as if it's <laughs> getting 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 them there in the first place. Asking them, telling your story. What are the stories that you tell, and and how do you tell stories about the hospital to inspire donors? Mostly, it's about the. If you're talking about my personal, mostly I talk about my education, how I grow up. Um, and uh, my family and about Cambodia, why I really involved with the hospital, why I love AAC. Why, why, why are they? Why, why do you? <laughs> yeah, AAC, uh, the, the reason that I told all of those because actually I don't really know, but I thought that it, it was something that I had in my experience and had in my heart that I could tell to others. And in the beginning, I don't really know that it really touched people's hearts. But um, I think maybe because uh, I am the Cambodian, uh, like a young Cambodian girl and trying so hard, like uh, got raised up uh, by the poor family and also grown up in a career from nursing and then now in the management or business administration or something like that, which is really like a struggling and commitment. That, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> determination yeah yeah and uh, talking about AAC uh, AAC it has uh, something itself that mission and vision of the hospital is really keeping me staying and loving falling in love with, with the hospital one is uh, the kids I really love children um, I really like to work with the children because uh, children they are very clean clear and uh, when they even they get sick, but they still smile, they still alert until 
they are unable to do it and then it means that they are very serious condition and when i work with them when i lift them up and then i feel like uh, they are my own <laughs> they are my own kids they are my own child and this is something that aac really does and they have given to all staff members that working here to have the same as what i am feeling and also we are not only uh like uh, having the hospital or good hospital by by ourselves but we also playing as a role model for other healthcare facility in cambodia that to do the same thing with the what we call a reasonable cost with the amount of a budget that uh, not really high and yeah. yeah no corruption but it's fulfilled of love yeah and caring supporting each other so that that's what i am seeing <laughs> that's wonderful yeah and also the last thing um it is about the community activity that the hospital has which is uh we really build up the capacity and knowledge of the healthcare worker who work in the countryside and also we build up the knowledge of the people live in the countryside to understand about how to take care of themselves on the preventable uh, disease which is something that we really uh, like connecting to to each other so we have a good hospital in the city we have good doctor good equipment and many things in the city and we had the doctor nurses medical student nursing student from around the country to learn more about our system and then when they go back they can uh, really using what they have learned from us in in their place which is a very very good thing and the last thing is while we have good facility of doctor nurses good hospital so we have got a doctor who work in the other places but the villagers uh, themselves should have um, knowledge of uh, prevention in order to protect themselves from like a simple simple disease and then it really cut down a lot of traveling a lot of expense a lot of time from them to come from their home to the hospital and uh, this is something that um, the hospital really doing and having all this kind of activity from the beginning until today yeah this is how that i uh, end up like uh, i have feeling that aac is a like a very good model of the hospital that other facility in cambodia i mean other health facility in cambodia should be following and and how does that does that is that reflected in your fundraising as well in that your how how you work how the, the hospital, I guess, ha, has all of these linkages to, to other community health centers and is in everyone sort of building up the, the healthcare infrastructure and taking that leadership role. Is that the same with fundraising as well? Do you work collaboratively in fundraising with other organizations in the health space? Yes, yes. We do the same as well. So we seems like a line. So in the fundraising area, um, so we started from like a small, small thing and we started in the Simrip first, like a Simrip city first, uh, by placing donation park, getting visitor from uh, other country because they, Simrip has Angkor Wat, 
there's many tourists of course it's a it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal yeah Angkor Wat is is such a spectacular place and it's a huge draw for tourists and the city has been built up around that right yeah so that's how um our international supporter found about our hospital as well so when they come by to see to see the temple and other things in Cambodia so then they start finding our hospital too that's why that we build up the visitor center and then we educate them we explain them we show them around to see some activity that we have and then they joining us as a big donor or like a regular supporters and some of them they become our volunteer that they are coming back here to teach and to train and also to learn more from us as well so that's how we exchange uh, knowledge and experience uh, in order to maintain our quality of care and treatment here that's it's, re- it's really interesting that you have such a you, you sort of connected with such a major tourist attraction global <laughs> yeah. uh, tourist attraction and become a, a affiliated with that and the people that are going to visit there are also coming to visit you how how did that happen is it is it that the tourists were looking for a cause and that it, there was a natural connection there or was there some really deliberate effort made to, to increase your visibility within Siem Reap and with tourists? Actually there's many reasons uh, maybe about 50% of our visitors that uh, come by to our hospital uh, they come to Siem Reap and they found us through the community I mean through the hotel people through tour guides to the people live in the city and uh, other half they come here through our volunteer because they know about us through the volunteer that ca- that came here before and they know about us through our supporter like a donor supporter and uh, some of them knows about us because we had friends with our border who based in america and japan so that's how like we got the visitor and supporter from them as well. Can I just ask you a question about that? Because the volunteering is is so important, and and it goes. It's not. There's a genuine exchange there in terms of. It sounds like there's a genuine exchange between the volunteers who are adding value to the hospital. Are they all medical volunteers, or are they different? Do they have different skill sets? And what is it? Do you have a criteria for volunteering? Yeah, actually, uh, since since uh, we started the hospital, our hospital started uh, by many experts, doctors and nurses from other countries. And some of them, they were staff, but some of them, they were volunteer. And later, many expat staff, they shift over their knowledge and experience to our Cambodian medical staff member. And then we still continue to keep... Uh, having the volunteer medical people. Majority our volunteer, they are medical, like a medical student, doctors, mostly pediatrician and specialists. Yeah, that they come here. Some of them, they return every year. And yeah, some of them, they come like one, two, three times and they stay connecting with the hospital. But majority, uh, whoever that become our big supporter, they come back and force and force every year as well. And they, they just not only bringing their knowledge to teach to our nurses and doctors, 
also they bring the donation, they bring the donor, uh, supporter, or other volunteer to come as well. And we had uh, some uh, relationship with uh, institution outside the country, like uh, HBO. Okay. Yeah, some some of the other organization or hospital outside the country that uh, people would send the volunteer to our hospital whenever that we need. I, I see you've I see you've got a lot of sort of relationships with universities, Pit, Pittsburgh, um, you know, Harvard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a whole range, Oxford, St Jude's. All yeah. of these are, are these all founded on volunteers these partnerships as well partnership uh some partnership it's purely volunteer like a sending volunteer uh expertise but some partnership not only volunteer but sending the grant to support us as well support the, any specific project for example like oxford they really support our uh, medical research and build up our microbiology uh, facility here which is really uh, amazing because they bring expertise and also the the resource of whatever that we need to establish for the hospital as well. And you know that's the sort of the, the international side of your partnerships and fundraising. If you're enjoying this conversation and would like to hear other global perspectives on fundraising and leadership in the nonprofit sector, then please do subscribe using the links in the show notes. If you want to find out more about our work, please do visit our website, fundraisingradicals.com. Now, back to the conversation. Tell me about local fundraising. Who do you work with and, and how will you reach your target of having 50% of your income uh, from Cambodia, from within Cambodia? This is a really good question. <laughs> and um... I try. <laughs> Yeah, actually, the hospital uh, has started the local fundraising properly that we start having the department of uh, local fundraising called Public Relations Cambodia Department in 2017. But before that, we had uh, some activity already, but it was not really growing so much people don't really know about us and people still confuse our hospital to another children's hospital. Was there any resource? Was there any dedicated fundraising resource at that time? Staff, budget, etc. Or was it? Uh, before, yeah, by, by the time that we started in 2017, I was the, the first person that asked to be the director and also form up the team. And then I was asked to integrate uh, that time we had uh, two teams that we integrated uh, one is a uh, one was the event team and second one was the visitor visitor center team so the team who worked to tour people around in the hospital and donation box and another team they uh, were responsible for event so any third party or whatever but majority that was a third, uh, third party not really our own event so they were the, they were the teams that were they were the teams that were sort of outward facing and already sort of connecting with members of the public yeah. and uh, and within the local community yes so that make that's a, that makes sense as a place to start yeah so after we form up the group and then we started to uh, integrate another not not really integrate but we add 
we are the local individual and corporate. So step by step, it was a, a lot of challenge to add local individual and, and corporate because uh, we don't really having the experience. So uh, we have to drive from whatever that we had with AAC in order to move them into the like Cambodian supporter as an individual and corporate. And so, so you didn't have you didn't have a foundation of corporate and sort of wealthy individuals supporting it. So how how was the decision made to invest time and energy in local fundraising? And what was the how was the, how did you advocate for that? Because um, the reason that we we decide to to have it because uh, actually we had we knew that uh, in Cambodia start uh, changing like uh, start having more people that they have money, start having more people that they want to give. And also company uh, business, they want to be part of the charity as well. So by by that time, it seems like uh, the country has been developing uh, more and more, especially in Simriap. And we're really getting uh, the influence from tourists about uh, fundraising, about sharing, about giving from the individual, like a high network or major value individual uh, people or corporate. So that's why that we start uh, getting people to be involved with AAC as well. And at the same time, because even team, they like established um, like our own event called uh, Capra, which is uh, in, in English, we call it a flower tree event, which is a part of religious event that really dry uh, local people to share whatever that they have especially they share the money even like a lot of small small amount but really bringing a lot of people to be together and then through that even people really talk about the hospital sharing about our information and then uh, also we start we started having the what we call cycling in Siem Reap. Yeah, it's like a young, young, young uh, generation that they love uh, to do cycling and they love to do uh, what we call um, society work. Yeah. So then they got yeah. together and then they cycling and it turned out like a fundraising. That's great. But that's a great, yeah, great opportunity. Yeah. So that's how really driving us to become like a, a real fundraising event team that, okay, we have to focus on those two things. That which is one is about the uh, we, we focus on the audience who are like uh, older but they are part of religion and another event uh, we focus on we target to the people who are young and uh, also having weekend off and they want to be enjoying in the different way but it's interesting that you focused on those on those two audiences mm-hmm. the the religion and, and young active people because how big a part does religion play in the donations that the hospital receives you know cambodian culture um, they believe that uh, they donate the money to the pagoda or to the monks is really a good thing and really making them karma i can say like a, they they yeah karma and then also they they could go to the heaven <laughs> That's an easy inter- inter- interpretation. And um, also, it is something that we have done like that uh, 
long time, and we have that kind of culture and habit um, and tradition. So that's why that we always give to the donation to the monks and to the pagoda. And the monks and the pagoda, they are, uh, they had the responsibility to uh, what we call support the community to build up to fulfill whatever the community lack of. Because uh, if you're talking about the French colonized time, only pagoda that could could do many things, um, not really in the the I mean the public, but the pagoda was done were, were playing very important role to be helping a lot to the community. In, in terms of social services and providing and helping people and uh, around yeah. those. Oh, yeah. And have you had to, equ- I'm just thinking about the work of equating a cause like a hospital and health, children's health, not competing with, but equating it with donating to a pagoda or, you know, that making it uh, and the story about telling that this is as worthy of your cash and as as good a thing as donating to a pagoda because that requires a cultural mindset shift yeah because uh the same as i said that pagoda if they uh, they got actually in the cambodian uh i can say like in the religion the buddhism religion monks could not keep the money so when they get the money from the uh, giver they have to give the money to support the community, to build a bridge, to build school, to build pagoda, to build a hospital, or to help the poor people. So that because of that concept, that's why that monks at the pagoda, they have to be helping AAC because AAC is a part of the community. Plus, uh, many children that live in the pagoda, they rely on uh, our hospital as well so they came to our they come to they still come to our hospital until they uh, uh the age that they uh, they should not be coming here anymore and we are free hospital that we don't really charge the money so that's why that why the pagoda couldn't have and it is a part of uh the buddha advice that um sharing caring loving is a part of the karma, like good karma. So people really want to be part of good karma. So that's why that they give. And then when the monks are doing it, so really driving attention of the public to donate to the monk, but they know clearly that it comes to the hospital because uh, the hospital do so and so. And we all together know, it's a kind of like a, what we call community fundraising. It, it's, it's like that, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah, it's really it's a really interesting dynamic um, <laughs> in that I remember working in Myanmar uh, a little while ago and, and, and how actually it's that that flow of cash within Southeast Asia often isn't the monks don't actually have a huge amount of say in where the money goes. It's very much the sponsors of the monks that determine where the funding goes so do you do you work with those people as as sort of high net worth individuals wealthy individuals do you identify and work with those people and they give to the hospital directly or do they go via the pagodas uh actually they give the money to the hospital directly because the pagoda don't really take the money they they host the events but they do not really 
take the money. So AAC has to be managed in receiving the donation by our staff, but we provide a report to the pagoda that, okay, this is how much money that we raised from the whole day. But, but it's, it's really interesting that the role of the temples and the pagodas play within giving, though, because they're a real facilitator and and those relationships and those that those connections and partnerships are so vital. Yeah. They sound so vital. Yeah. And some pagoda, they didn't really, they could not do uh, like that. They collect the money from their uh, uh, people and then they just send the money to us directly. Okay. They, then they just say that, okay, this is the amount of money that we raise from the people living in their community and uh, together this how much and then they send to us but we have to show we actually receive it this amount from so and so and then we have to make it announced as a public as well in order to keep the transparency that we don't really use the money in a different way and plus we we are helping the monks or pagoda that collect the donation for us as well of course, this that's but that's really interesting that re, that public yeah. recognition because I guess there's there's the deeper the recognition in terms of transparency, but there's also the the public recognition of of karma and and being seen to be contributing to a cause like uh, the Angkor Hospital for Children. Yeah, how important is the public recognition of donors in Cambodia? Before it was a uh... People didn't really care, but now people really care about it because uh, there was many uh, people that, that that they made a trick and then they cheat as well. So that's why that the hospital, uh, our hospital, we had a system of uh, acknowledging anyone that uh, collecting fund for the hospital, like instead of us, like uh, giving them. Actually, they have to complete the the third-party fundraising form for us and we have to issue the uh, endorsement letter to support or to yeah to make sure Ah, because there were people so people were fundraising saying they're fundraising for the the ankle hospital for children but they weren't yeah yeah but actually uh, before we didn't really have it and when we we did not have it so many times that people that wanted to donate uh, to our hospital but through the the third party they would they usually ask us does it real does it uh, the event for aac or not does it uh, activity for aac or not so they, they kept ask, asking that question yeah and that sort of issue really dents uh confidence yeah in in organizations so that's why that we have to create uh, a system of transparency and acknowledging and also supporting in order to protect our supporter, protect our fundraiser, and uh, whoever that... And yourselves as an organization. Yeah, yeah, and, and ourselves as well. So then when we receive, we have to announce uh, whatever that we receive. Uh, mostly we use our Facebook page to be the main social media or main channel that we share to the public, especially for the local, because uh, uh, maybe I can say like a 95% of our followers are <laughs> Cambodian <laughs> yeah and then um, that's why that we we don't really keep uh, close or secret so we have to open and even the events that we create by ourselves we have to open publicly as well that how much that we raise and what we are doing yeah and 
You talked, you mentioned relationships and partnerships, funding partnerships with companies. How do they come about and how are they managed? Are they sponsorship quite transactional or are they deeper partnerships or are they a mixture? I can say that I can say like a corporate corporate uh, fundraising. I mean, talking about local, right? You, you would like to know about local. Yeah. yeah, yes. So local, I started from placing donation box at the hotels, restaurant so i i call them as a business <laughs> i i don't i don't really call them corporate but i call them as business like a business support so they place our donation box and collect the donation from their guests or their client and then they donate to our hospital so after we did that we had events so when we had even Montcapra, when we had events outside Kling. That, that's the that's the flower tree event. Yeah, and then that's how company that they start knowing about us and they want to be part. Especially cycling event really uh it, it is the events that really bring corporate uh to know about the hospital. In the beginning they support in a small, small amount, like a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar. <laughs> Uh, in the event, but together maybe about thirty businesses. Yeah, and later we try we try to change a little bit bit by bit by having the main sponsor could sponsor with a big amount of money. So the event, those events and activity really bringing corporate more and more that want to compete to donate to other hospital and to be part of the sponsor. That's why that some of them, they don't want to be part of our event, but they raise the money by themselves. And also they collect the money by themselves and donate to us. And some of them, they they just decide to make donation from their own company to, to us. But this is really interesting because yeah. um, challenge events, those sort of physical events, really capture the imagination of companies because it's a great way for them to for their employees, uh, their customers, their people and all of their different communities to come together into one occasion. And that element of competition as well with between businesses is always quite a good catalyst for getting more involved. But that, and, and I think it's it's often a temptation for many fundraisers to, to think about events, but having such a purposeful event also consolidates and reinforces corporate partnerships because suddenly you don't just have a business you have 50 or 60 employees who have interacted with the hospital at that event found out about it and and, and worked hard and fundraised etc and then they're going back into the company so this is sort of a long-term building up of the uh, partnership and deepening of the partnership right yeah actually the company when they become the part of uh, our supporter when they become our donor. Of course, uh, many times they educate their staff members to be involving as well. But not, not many companies are like that. Uh, the company that really doing such a way, mostly the owner is the donor of the hospital. So the owner is really driving the interest of the staff in the whole company to be like a part of the hospital family, part of the supporters' family. 
But this is very common. This is this is one of the most common, I think, themes in terms of the relationship between wealthy individuals and, and corporate partnerships. I, I find that more commonly it is these owners and the wealthy people who have influence and impact within their companies and within companies who then drive corporate partnerships. So it's almost the strategy if you want to build a portfolio of businesses supporting it is to engage this group of wealthy individuals who are connected and who own companies because that's the that's often the starting point for a lot of these bigger events and, and downstream income streams yeah yeah so that's why that right now um a majority of uh, our corporate Uh, especially the high network uh, value corporate uh, usually come from the individual as well. I mean, like uh, from the owner that we call that, that I, I do not know what to call them, but I usually call them individual corporate high value network donor. That's what I call them com combination like that because they are a role model uh, for their staff member to do the charity work. They educate their staff that charity work is very good and they do a lot of work and sometimes they got um, they have got uh, like our hospital staff to give some sort of like a more of the education training in like a simple simple health prevention uh, like a first aid hand washing something that they really need for their staff member to know more just not only bringing their kids to be here, but they have to know and taking care of themselves and also taking care of their kids and family as well. So those are the connection that we usually have in the relationship with the owner and owner really making the way how to, to, how to get company to support us. So this is what, what we do every year. And at the moment, there's about, uh, I can say, about more than 10 uh, donors like that, that they, in Cambodia, that they are really involving with the hospital for many years already. That's a, that's a, that's a phenomenal journey from putting those uh, donation boxes to having that, that group of, of people who have been associated with the hospital for such a long time and who sound like a really solid community Of, of donors that are that are providing significant amount of resource, financial resource, but also connecting with the hospital's wider purpose as well in terms of the community health piece as well. Yeah, and one, one more thing. When I started the local fundraising department, uh, we also create a group of local supporter called uh, AAC Advisory. Okay, so you had an advisory board, you set up an advisory group. Yeah, yeah, they are from different uh, sources of uh, business, um, and also they are the people who has a lot of experience in business, marketing, uh, leadership, management, um, and also they have very good hearts. They volunteer to to group together and to support us. So they. They not they do not only bringing us the connection, but they also train to our Cambodian staff to do the work. Yeah, we don't really having any specialty, but we learn from them. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, well, but that's that's the role, I guess, of a of, of a of an advisory board. It's that the challenge is always 
where does fundraising fit with an advisory board? Because that's always a that's always a challenging balance. Do they donate? So the members of the board donate? Actually, they they do not donate. They donate very little, but their time and effort to uh, bring the connection of wealthy people to us, even local or international. Uh, they also so, so they but that's a, just a different role. That's a different. They are donating because they're they're connecting you into the community. They're donating their time and, and advice and guidance, expertise, and but also so it's really think thinking with these people going beyond the idea of a cash donation because their value to you is so much greater if they're introducing other people who can bring that cash and other connections as well and having that sort of holistic approach. And, and not just going in with the sort of... Yeah, personal relationship, yeah. Yeah, not going in with the dollar signs in your eyes, right? So. <laughs> yeah. So to have them, uh, in order to maintain them to be supporting us uh, in the advisory board, they we have to keep the personal relationship with them, just not only the, the about the hospital work, but the personal connection. We try to help each other. But however, the group or the advisory that we have, they are, they are very selective. Mostly they are having the similar heart and the concept and mindset the same as our hospital. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a phenomenal story. It's, a, it's, it's an incredible journey you've been on. Thank you so much for your time today, Aaron. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful to meet you and have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much too uh, for giving the opportunity. And um, this is my first time. And I hope that whatever that I share today is something that really, that, that can be shared to the outside world to see, uh, to hear that uh, Cambodia is, is even like we are small and we are far away from others. But actually, we are doing something as well that the, the, that the other country that they are doing. And we have learned a lot from them. And they are really helping us to make us growing as well. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to because uh, I think um, a lot of people might be surprised by what's going in, in Cambodia. But I, I see this all the time. And it's so wonderful just to be able to share successful fundraising from places that often are deeply underestimated because I think everyone looks to the United States, North America and Europe for fundraising inspiration. But I feel like there is so much across Asia, Africa, uh, Middle East and Latin America as well. And so that's that's a big part of what we're trying to do here. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and meeting Arun. If you'd like to find out more about us and our work, please do visit fundraisingradicals.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, it's goodbye from me.